Welcome back to another episode of Focus on EDU, EdTech and the Education Experience. As always, excited to have a new guest here building out our education community, uh, bigger and bigger each time we meet. So today I have Dr. Paul Darvasi from the University of Toronto and Goldbug Interactive. We're going to be talking about um, a few unconventional situations maybe in which we use games and education. So Dr. Darvasi, welcome to the show and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and your work in education. Well, thank you very much for having me today. Um, yeah, a little bit about me. I was a high school teacher for 20 years. I was in the classroom for 20 years. And during that period, I spent uh, probably over half of my career experimenting with games and learning. Um, I designed games. Uh, I used commercial video games in a variety of classroom settings. I supported other teachers in their uses of games and technology. And I was also very interested in thinking about how we can use games as texts in the way that we would traditionally study, you know, work of literature, short story, a play, or whatever the case may be. Um, I now teach at the University of Toronto. I teach social media and education. I teach games and learning. I teach about educational technology. And I am the CEO of Goldbug Interactive, where we create digital games, animation, art, uh, and interactive experiences. Um, and all in the services of learning and cultural institutions. So we work with schools, libraries, and museums, typically, uh, although we have a few clients that are a little bit out of that wheelhouse. Love it. Love the game-based learning community. You know, I think, uh, you know, my role right now sitting in esports and, and you being, you know, in that game-based learning and just gamification, all those different parts of and levels of, right, the field within it, just such a great community around games and learning these days. So um, glad to meet you and glad to be uh, a part of the conversation. Um, take, awesome. take me through maybe one of the examples from uh, your teaching uh, where you were using uh, a game or an unconventional game to teach some lessons with your students. Sure, yeah, Let, let's drive right to controversy, uh, no <laughs> pun intended. So um, I, I have done, uh, my doctoral work was around uh, using what the Guinness Book of World Records considers to be the most controversial video game of all time, which is of course Grand Theft Auto V and the Grand Theft Auto franchise. So this game, uh, you know, you, you, if you Google it and you know, you'll see that there's been, you know, definitely some smoke around it. Um, but my work in some ways uh, pushes for the opposite of the way that schools relate to controversial, difficult games like Grand Theft Auto V, in the sense that I feel that um, we have to better prepare our students and better equip our students with the critical tools to um, to really think about their relationship with these types of games. So in the case of a game like Grand Theft Auto V, um, typically schools would wanna keep a game like this as far away as possible. It has violent content, problematic content, some sexual content. Um, so what I did is, as part of my dissertation, is I implemented it as part of a media literacy unit where uh, a group of students played the game at home um, all of them had already played Grand Theft Auto V, which is which is important because I didn't feel comfortable introducing them to the game, uh, but rather remediating their their experience with the game. 
And it was absolutely fascinating because uh, if you know anything about this game, it's not a trivial game. It is it is probably one of the best selling games of all time. Um, it came out in 2013 and it's still going very strong. It still continues to have a massive community of players, both in its online and offline version. Um, it was well ahead of its time technologically when it came out. And it really has had an impact on hundreds of millions of young people. And what's really interesting is we really don't know how it has impacted them. We really don't know what it's like uh, to be in a game like this for hundreds of hours and how it affects your worldview, um, your sense of self, your sense of other. Um, and so this was really at the heart of my study. And what we did was, uh, while they were playing the game at home, I would set them up with uh, different material to have them think about issues of gender, uh, both male and female gender, because uh, you know one is all my participants incidentally were male, uh, white adolescent males that were all 18 years old um, and 17 or 18 years old. And, and it's one was the way that they were seeing women being represented in the game, which is not very good. And, and you know they're basically sexualized objects and don't have any sort of protagonist role in the game. But also how men are being portrayed in the game and what it says about masculinity and it made them think about different ways of being a man and it opened some really important conversations. Beyond that, we had a lot of discussions about violence and how they experienced violence in the game and how they discussed it outside of the game and how it impacted their day-to-day -day life, which was very powerful. And then finally, we looked at race. Um, GTA V has a strong racialized element. They represent uh, black communities in what is ostensibly Los Angeles in a very particular way. And we had some very, very important conversations about how some of these representations of race reinforce certain uh, negative ideas about race. Uh, and in the end, um, by introducing, and it was no small feat uh, to get the school to agree to this project, as you can imagine, because schools are very reluctant uh, to, to do it, and, and in some ways rightfully so. I mean, you can get a lot of pushback from the parent community, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but it was a transformative experience for many of the participants because they really um, became aware of many, many elements uh, of how the game was affecting them that they weren't aware of before. And they had played the game extensively. And what was really heartening is that beyond their thinking critically about Grand Theft Auto V, this experience gave them the tools to think critically about media in general. And which was which was a really sort of positive outcome. And one conclusion that I drew from my study was that, which is no surprise to anybody, is that our youth live in media. They don't live with media, but they live in what is essentially a media environment. Uh, they're they're you know they're streaming, they're on social media, they're listening to music. And, and it's really, you know, in the past we lived in forests and jungles and now our young people live in media. And, and what's really alarming to me is that in the past, in, in our tribal past, we would be very well acquainted with our environment. We would have the, you know, the literacy to know uh, what the dangers and the benefits of our environment might be. But I don't think our youth are actually equipped to deal with the media environment that they uh, inhabit. And, and it became glaringly obvious through my study that schools, districts, and, and policymakers have to think more deeply about changing the curriculum to better suit the media world that our young people are living in. Yeah, and I think, you know, in, in, in my world right now, right, a lot of the conversations when we're talking about bringing esports to a school, a principal or a director or a superintendent might push back and say, you know, we don't want to bring 
uh, video games into our schools, right? We don't want to encourage playing more video games. But what, uh, you know, sort of the, the, I don't want to say the easy rebuttal to that is, but like what, what really helps those folks kind of get over that hurdle is understanding that our students, like you had noticed, are already going home and playing the game. Right, they're already leaving the school, going home, either in playing in isolation or with other folks virtually for the most part. And if we can encourage our students to play and learn with the games when we have the ability to talk to them about what's going on and influence the conversation and get them to think critically in ways they definitely aren't thinking about it when they're sitting um, at home, I think that's really what helps uh, you know, get people over that hurdle. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's really important to meet them where they are. They're much more invested in the learning if it relates to their life outside of school. And we have to learn to value those informal spaces that they inhabit because they are indicative of the world we're moving into. And we neglect those spaces at our own peril and to the detriment of our students. Yeah. And I, I think of it, too, when we think about things that we've done and I know you've done it and I've done it. Uh, early in your teaching career, you think like, I want to increase engagement. I'm going to put a local sports team's name into this problem, right? Or into this question. And like our students can see through that and see that that is, uh, you know, gimmicky engagement, right? It, it gets them to perk up for a quarter of a second. But if we can engage them in this game-based learning where we're taking something that they're already engaging with um, and fold it into the work, it, it becomes real genuine engagement where then we can teach those important skills that, that you were teaching. So I want to take us, you know, you mentioned the jungles and the forests and living there. Um, you have another interesting project that I've heard you talk about in the past um, that involves jungles and forests um, in some, some way, shape, or form. So talk to me a little bit about the, the collision of the video game and forest world. Yeah, so really interesting. Um, we, one of our, our stranger, and I only mean stranger because our media company, I mean, we make video games and multimedia and animation, but we, we got this sort of contract uh, for a private school in uh, outside of Mexico City in an absolutely beautiful uh, valley that is very environmentally oriented. It's actually quite affluent. Um, and they've recently opened a forest school there that really focuses on experiential learning. Uh, it's a project-based curriculum where the students, uh, you know, engage with their environment uh, in, in, in a way that really respects the seasons and the changes. And, and so one of the issues that they had is that the community of parents were very resistant towards the idea of adopting technology because they felt it was at odds with the ethos of a school that was really invested in nature. Um, so Goldbug Interactive uh, was hired because we have an extensive background in integrating educational technology, one, to do a little bit of PR work with the parents and really show them the studies and the models that show, look, technology can actually enhance our understanding of nature um, and also to help them implement both hardware and software um, that would really sort of uh, align with their vision, with their pedagogical vision. And, and some really fascinating, you know, uh, experiences are coming out of this. Um, I have always been a big fan of nature identification apps. Um, so I've done work in the past where I have used uh, the Smithsonian's Leaf Snap app 
which I, I don't know if it's con it continues to be serviced. I, I think you can get it, but I don't know if it still works. But it was this amazing app where you could take a picture of a leaf from any tree uh, in the North American Northeast, and it would identify the tree for you. Uh, and we did work where we had students create tree inventories and pin trees on Google Maps and identify what kind of trees they were and, and figure out whether they were endemic species or, intru or introduced species and think about the importance of trees in an urban environment and, and in a rural environment. So it was really powerful stuff. So we are working with the school very closely to introduce a whole range of these similar apps. We now could use apps that identify bird songs um, and and you can you can sort of figure out what birds are hiding in the trees, which is really powerful. And there's one that I recently discovered called iNature, where you can post images of plants or flowers or trees, and I think it extends to animals as well. And you kind of crowdsource an understanding of what it is, where it is, what it means. Um, whereas experts around the world were voicing and help you identify what it what what it is that you're asking them to identify. Um, and this really plays into a, a citizen science sort of ethos because it's really important that our students um, experience the real life of a field scientist and have that kind of, you know, have the tools to really engage with nature in a meaningful way um, to get a better understanding of their environment. Um, and, and what I find really fascinating about it is that in many ways, what it's helping us do is recapture indigenous ways of learning because um, I had read somewhere that an indigenous youth could identify, you know, let's say 150 different types of plants or or flowers, um, and and tell you what they were good for, what their health benefits were, if they were poisonous. Um, whereas youth today, uh, while we survive in the consumer world, can identify pretty much 150 different types of brands, <laughs> which is really interesting. But what this technology helps us do is it helps us bridge that knowledge because it's almost like a prosthetic for the knowledge that uh, in the, in our, our indigenous ancestors had and many indigenous people currently have about nature and help them articulate a sense of nature and what different things are. And once you start developing that type of literacy, um, it, it's, it's an amazing way to support a science curriculum and an experiential learning curriculum in a meaningful way. So shockingly we're we're almost there already uh we're almost crossing that finish line so uh give me a couple examples of you know either other folks who are influential to you or that you follow to keep up with sort of the game-based learning work and community um let's let's start there real quick yeah so um there are increasingly more and more teachers doing work with games in their practice uh some of the rock stars out there include steve isaacs who's currently working as uh as a, i think manager of education or director of education for epic games he's done a lot of work using game design incorporating video games in his practice uh matthew farber a former new jersey school teacher who now teaches at the university of southern colorado or northern colorado i can't remember uh peggy sheehy uh, who did a lot of work with World of Warcraft and tying that into the hero's journey. And she's experimented quite extensively with games. Uh, Bron Stuckey in Australia, who's done a lot of work with Minecraft. Um, so uh, in the end, I think if anybody's interested or wants to know more about people working in this space, because there are a lot of people doing really interesting things with games and learning, um, to do searches for game-based learning and education, games and education, and you're going to find a whole host of 
uh, of resources and, and lesson plans to help you along. And I'll add also another one, uh, Zach Hartman in New York City has published a ridiculous amount of lesson plans around commercial video game use in classrooms. And he is really somebody to follow and to learn from. I love it. And finally, close us out. Tell us how people can get in touch with you or learn more about your work. Sure, great. Uh, so you can go on our uh, Goldbug Interactive website. So it's uh, goldbuginteractive.com. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Paul Darvazi, or you can fire me an email at pauldarvazi at gmail.com. And I'm always happy to talk shop and, and share anything that I can share with uh, my fellow educators. Well, thank you so much for being here today, spending some time with us and sharing your stories. Uh, it was amazing. And thank you very much for having me on. It was a real pleasure. Thanks for joining us today. Don't forget to like and subscribe so that you can be notified whenever we post new content. Looking forward to seeing you next time.